Hello and welcome to Against Austin on Against Me podcast. I'm Dwayne and I'm here with Austin. How's it going? Howdy. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing okay. Doing pretty good. Uh, Yeah. A lot going on that we won't get into. But uh, uh, we got a lot to get into on the show, though. We have got some songs to review. I went to a concert. Austin went to not a concert, I guess, but a live performance of some sort. And uh, we also have an album to talk about from Against Me, believe it or not. So uh, (laughs) this is, Austin, the last, like, real episode. This is the last normal one. It's kind of wild that we're here. I got to be honest. We will review some songs next time, but um, they're just sort of random songs. They're not any kind of album. A lot of these were not ever even like officially released. So, uh, but we'll get into that at the end of the show. We'll talk about what songs we're going to look at. We got a lot of other songs to get into before we get to that, but (laughs) Austin, I guess the first thing that we will get into before we get into anything else is um, you went to go see a live podcast. Now, what did, what did you go see? I uh, went and saw a live podcast presentation performance. I don't know what it is, but I went and saw um, QAnon Anonymous and it was a ton of fun. I know I did I did the nightmare fuel for Dwayne. I went with a couple of coworkers who also listened to that podcast. <laughs> oh, that guy. And yeah, no, it was it was a ton of fun. Um, lots of weird alien stories, lots of stories about reptilians and uh yeah, overall good stuff. Um so now do they just do like a regular episode or like do they do like a, a routine or what were they they, they have three like each of them the three main hosts each of them has like their own little segment their own little thing that they're doing so um travis view talked about the origins of like the reptilian conspiracy theory uh and then jake tells a story like about he's been telling he's been retelling the alien trilogy with marjorie taylor green as the ripley character okay <laughs> the way he wrote it it's pretty good like uh jordan peterson uh closely resembles the alien queen and uh and jeffrey epstein makes a run in at one point um so it's uh, yeah it was it was it was very entertaining i didn't really know what i was getting into uh a friend of mine who was new to the show was like that's the weirdest thing i've ever seen but i had a really good time so i was like well that's 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 a pretty good review. Yeah, I that's think. good. But yeah, yeah. No, good time. All right. How, how long did that go? How long is that going? Did it two just at two hours with an intermission? Wow. Okay. Do they have so, like any kind of opener? No. No, you just go right in and they talk for two hours. They talked for two hours. I mean, it was wow. like they they also had stuff playing, like they would code clips and things in yeah. the background. Oh wow, okay. Yeah, so it was like a interactive. I mean, it's like a, an episode, a little longer than an episode. Um, you know, plus the, the you know all the AV, all the extra stuff in the back, and they were playing music over parts and making sound effects and just kind of doing. I don't know. It was, it was what a lot kind of, of uh, what kind of venue is this at? So this is a place called the Bell House in Brooklyn, and I've actually seen another live podcast there before. And it's it's just a small 
venue. It's got a stage, probably fits, I don't know, 150 people, 200 people. It's not big at all. But they're actually hosting uh, wrestling. I think probably for the first time there's a wrestling show that's going to go here. So I want to check that out. But it's just a, you know, just a quaint little venue. Um, not a not a huge stage. It's actually perfect for like a live podcast or a small band. Um, but yeah, I don't know how to say like support a podcast that it's you so like. weird to talk about another podcast. <laughs> it is weird, I know. Uh, but it's like, hey, listen, if there's something you like to do, but I, feel, I always feel like I come on here with things where I go, this is what I've been doing, and like we never talk about like stuff you're onto. I don't do very much these days. Okay, well. <laughs> That's part of it. They're like, what have you been doing? I was like, I don't know. I go to work. I ride a boat and I go to work and, and I'm home and I'm writing shit for another podcast. It's, it's my life. Okay. I went to a concert recently that we talked about last time. But before we get into that, let's get into this next thing, which was, which is. So last episode we plugged that uh Austin was gonna send me two songs and I was gonna send him two songs to try to convince each other um to get into this whatever thing we're pushing on the other one. Um now I sent my songs. <laughs> <laughs> Austin did not send any songs. Uh, so do, do you want to explain yourself on that? Or? Yes. Well, yes. I, I I threw in the towel. I was like, I nothing I'm going to be able to send is going to convince Dwayne, who has the greatest taste in music that's ever existed, <laughs> that I could. I didn't think I was ever going to win him over. So I was like, why am I going to put in that effort? I'm not going to. And then Dwayne, instead of sending me two songs, sends me three. <laughs> Yeah, but I said you don't have to review one of them. Like we don't, have, we don't have to talk about this third, right. but uh, we we can. But I was uh, a champ. I did listen. I listened. I mean, I I listened to all three uh, yeah. quite a few times. So I um, I did the assignment, and I was like, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna avoid the grief. I think that your assumption was probably correct. Uh, oh, I know it was. I know it was. <laughs> no doubt. The more I looked into this band, I was just kind of like, I think all their songs are going to kind of sound like this. And it's, I don't think it's going to win me over a thing people will do. And I'm, I'm guilty of this too. And I, I think it's sort of what I've done here tonight, but a funny thing people will do when they really love a band is they will go, well, listen to this song. And when you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm not super into this. They'll go like, Oh, okay. Well, let's, let me play you this other song that doesn't sound anything like this. And then they play you a song and it sounds exactly like that. You go like, Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, you can't, I mean, if it's a group or a band that you you really love, you you can't be objective about it. Sure. Right. I mean, like you've listened to the song. I try my best to do that here. (laughs) Uh, But yeah. But it's hard because you can, you know, I mean, you've heard them all. You notice that subtlety and the difference between songs that someone hearing them for the first or second time isn't necessarily going to hear. Right. That's true. All right. Well, let's get into it. Uh, <laughs> I guess we'll just talk about these in the order that I sent them to you. All right. So, so the first song that I sent you was called Problem With It by Planes 
which is Waxahachie and Jess Williamson from their album Walked With You A Ways, which came out just last month. What did you think of this? I have I have two things to say, and they're very contradictory. One, okay. <laughs> you, you should have sent this the first time, and but you shouldn't have, because if you'd sent this the first time, we wouldn't have had a lot to talk about the last episode, because I really like this song. And I was yeah, like, this song is awesome. Yeah, this great. song's good. This song is good. So I was I was like, so, this, is, this is the song that he should have sent me, but there wouldn't have been any tension. I, I realized you- I realized that immediately i was so i was going back and forth between the song i sent and this one but i was just like well that planes that's like her side project that's too much to explain like and get into and like but after we were done i was like no 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 no. if i had sent this he would have been like oh yeah so <laughs> well you're right essentially what happened with this is they both sort of became fans of each other and wanted to do more sort of like country inspired material. I read like a couple interviews about this album and they both kind of expressed like the same feelings of like, because I'm from the South, I've always been kind of hesitant to do anything that sounded like country music and sing in like my accent and like, um, cause her voice is waxahachie. Like her voice is definitely different on this album than like her other albums. Yeah. Like, um, even just between this song and the next song, there's a big difference. Yeah. yeah. So um, this is just like a really fun album that is, it's not like a tribute, I guess, but it's just kind of like a throwback to like more classic country from like the seventies and eighties kind of a thing is I think what they were going for. Um, this is like the bleed single. I think you would really like this album. Yeah. I mean, I'd be willing to check it out based I on think, the uh, single. The songs Line of Sight and Albaline. Those are songs that you would like. I think you should check this out. We will talk more about, or I will talk more about Planes in a little bit. But uh, anything else you want to say about this song? What, what in no. particular did you like about it? I just, I, I, I dig it. I was like, this is, this is kind of a, I can get behind this kind of country, you know, this kind of throwback country sound. It's not too, it's not, it's not drippy. It's not modern country, which is just fucking awful. But um, yeah, it's also like, I mean, when an artist comes out and says, like, hey, now I'm going to do, like, my country material, that's almost always, like, oh, no. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, and it feels very cynical and, like, a last resort. Here, it feels like she's doing something very fresh and interesting. And, like, she's not doing, like, you know, patriotic I don't I don't think I've ever heard Waxahachie say one even like remotely like, right. political thing in like any song, which I think is a good move. They are like clearly um wearing their influences on their sleeve, but also doing like something like original and, and new. Like uh yeah, it's really cool. And I really think you would like this album. The first time I heard it, I was like yeah but it's like country music you know what i mean because it is like it's country music but like the more uh, now i've listened to it like a lot of times and like i really like it a lot yeah it's good uh, i mean i got no problem with country music as long yeah. as it's actual country music i knew this would be more of a, i realized after the show i got too cocky the first time that we send each other a playlist i nailed it 
because I thought so hard about like what are songs Austin would enjoy. And so I did such a good job that I was just like, I can just fucking throw anything on there and he's going to love it. <laughs> and so I was just like, well, what are three songs that I like right now? That and that and that. That'll be good. And then uh, you were like, yeah, okay. No, God. <laughs> um. All right. So I think that's enough of that one because we'll have more to talk about planes in a little bit. But the second song I sent you was Fire by Waxahachie uh, from her album St. Cloud. This is one of the big singles from her most recent album that came out, Austin. This is so unfortunate. In March of 2020. Literally, like, I think like the 27th or something, like the worst possible time. Yeah, brutal. <laughs> yeah, so I don't think she got to tour for this album until like October of last year. Or so yeah, I can't imagine. Yeah, so, whew. but uh, it's a really good album that uh, a lot of critics really liked. Uh, so, what did you think of Fire? So, I, it's funny that you mentioned that she sounds different when she's saying "in problem with it" because she really does. She sounds a yeah. lot different on her solo material. So I'm glad you pointed that out because that's kind of what it was thinking. There's, I like the song. The more I listened to it, the more I liked it. But I think that there's something weird, and I kind of picked up on it on the last time we did this with her songs. There's really, it is such a personal thing, but it's there's this like weird way that she kind of like, it's a cadence thing, you know, like she stretches and exaggerates certain words in weird ways. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what it is. It, it's it always just kind of knocks me a little bit. Like she'll instead of saying fire, she'll say fire. <laughs> yeah, iron. Like, and it's we talked last time about like the similarities between her and Laura, and that's another thing. Is like she'll like fit weird phrases and yeah, weird phrases. The way that she sings and kind of she like, and I actually like how she sings. You know, she goes high and then low and then mid and then low and then high. And like, she's just kind of all over the place. And you're always wondering about that. But it's there's something about the, like the cadence of the words that bothers me. But I mean, it's not enough to pull me out of the song. And I I, I like it. I, I like problem with it. I enjoyed more than fire. Yeah, I will say this is not one of my favorite songs by her. But I thought it was one that maybe you would like more. Well, it's um, better than that first one. It's it's. You know, well, I, don't, I, said, I don't agree with that. I said okay. much better than bedtime song. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I don't really have a ton to say about this song. I, I mean, I like it, but it's it's funny because I think this is the first song by hers that I listened to, and I was just like, "Oh no, I would never listen to this." <laughs> like i never listened to anything that sounds like this and then uh and now here you are slowly i like as i got into like more of other stuff i like i was like hmm but yeah i was like you this is a song that the more i listened to it the more it grew on me right uh she's just like she's a very like creative and intelligent writer but anyway let's move on i won't gush over her too much longer Let's talk about her sister. Third song that I sent you was Dust in the Gold Sack by Swearin. This is from their album that came out in November of 2013 called Surf and Strange. And I'm going to tell you why I picked this before you say what you think about it. Okay. Okay. This is not my favorite song by them, but 
this is probably their loudest song. And last time you're like, this is too quiet. I don't want to. Oh, it's so quiet. So I just said the, sleepy. I didn't say quiet. What, this is sleepy. What's the loudest swearing song? And this is this is what I thought was their loudest song. So what did you think of this? I like this. And I was like, clearly the lion's share of the talent went to Allison. Uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right. <laughs> no, it was it was it was a fun show. I mean, it's a different song. It's very different I, than any of the this, wax I I got into swearing before I got into Waxahachie. That makes sense. Like yeah. this feels like the gateway. So essentially, what happened was they had a band together. I think we talked about this last time, so we'll go over it very briefly. But they had like a pop punk band together called P.S. Elliot um, that made a couple albums. And then they just kind of like wanted to go in very different directions musically. And it just wasn't working out. Uh, So they both kind of started doing their own thing. And uh, that's what happened. But yeah, swearing is more of like a traditional, like indie rock. Like they have like a very like nineties vibe to them. Uh, I would say if you like this, check out the songs movie star and fat chance um i would say my favorite song by them is a song that i put on the end of one of these episodes that's called big change but i don't know if you would like that one because austin it's it's so slow and quiet so you might might, might not like it well this one also scores bonus points because they they name drop uh, a subway stop in brooklyn that i have lived i live i used to live on uh, and lived on for a long time so they talked about (laughs) bedford nostrand and i was like that's my old subway stop so this was you know oh that's cool i did not know that it was deep i mean like i had no way of knowing (laughs) well i think they were all living in new york around this time they had to have been this sounds like a brooklyn living in like a tiny rattle apartment recording yeah 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 um yeah i like swearing a lot they're it's like it's definitely totally different from wax hatchy like they're not she's not doing like her sister's thing but uh which i mean makes sense why they they wanted to do music separate from each other yeah. right different visions different ideas yeah and uh you know but they would tour together and Allison would play in Katie's band off and on. So, I mean, they're still on good terms and everything, but uh, they just like wanted to do different stuff. And so anyway, I guess this is not, Oh, actually I was going to say we're moving on from wax Hatchie, but no, we're not Austin. <laughs> I'm I actually made a joke on Twitter about uh, this just being a wax Hatchie podcast. <laughs> I'm out. See ya. <laughs> well, I, uh, okay. Well, yeah, I'm not going to do it either. Tell you what, I'll tell you what we'll do. If Katie Crutchfield writes a book that is like, here's what I meant by all my most well-known songs, then uh, maybe we'll think about doing a podcast until <laughs> that day. <laughs> I feel like that's a podcast that Conrad should host. Oh, she would love that. She loves, she, Conrad loves Wax Hatchie. She was telling me, she's like, oh my God, that's my favorite kind of music. Um, you get yourself in so much trouble. <laughs> <laughs> do you know the, do you know the story about Conrad getting me into Phoebe Bridgers? 
which is how I found Waxahachie was through. I remember when you got into Phoebe Bridgers. I didn't realize it was Conrad that did it. Yeah. So, <laughs> so what happened was I would have this like, you know, Spotify will just have like different things on your homepage of like, check this out. So I would get this thing that would pop up like women of indie, Grimes. Uh, it was always Grimes and Phoebe Bridgers and Waxahachie. And then there would be like other rotating smaller artist right and i'd be like why is it showing me this like why does it think i would want to hear this i would not want to hear this and i tweeted about it one day of like i keep getting this annoying shit of like i'm not fucking listening to grimes like there's just no goddamn way in my in the world that i'm gonna put that on you know so conrad tweeted and she was like well in my opinion phoebe bridgers is worse than that and I was like, oh, really? I don't know. I don't know anything about her. And she was like, oh, yeah. She's like, I'm so sick of her. Like other women are always just telling me how great she is and what a genius she is. And I just don't like her. Ugh. And I was like, hmm. Based on like that, I think she must be pretty good. Like, <laughs> and so I went and listened to some of her songs and I was like, oh, this is really good. This is like really good. Spotify was correct. I do like this. And uh, Connor was not enthusiastic uh, to learn that. Uh, <laughs> Probably because she doesn't believe that you legitimately like her. She's so good, dude. <laughs> it's so, I mean, we're already talking about so much shit that isn't against me. And like, I know, <laughs> but I don't want to get off on too much of a tangent about Phoebe Bridgers, dude. And it's like, it's so weird because like it is so slow and quiet and like she's like a big mainstream artist which is also not a thing that i'm normally like super excited about but like oh dude she's so fucking like great at like constructing songs and like she really like mixes in like elements of like heavy music into these like very slow and quiet songs it's definitely music that you're meant to pay like super close attention to you know what i mean like right. uh and she's just a really smart writer and uh but anyway we're getting way off on a tangent about yeah that didn't sound like anything i'd want to listen to you, you uh no you would hate it <laughs> if you listen to phoebe ridgers you would just be like i don't fucking want to hear this. Uh, <laughs> this is uh yeah Austin, you you are not one thing about you is like you are not into sad girl no music at all. You don't want to hear about that. No, not sad boy music either. Really, and it's like, yeah, I'm just yeah. I, I I think at a period I there was a period in my life that I would have listened to that, but I've I've moved beyond. I don't want that in music. It, I don't want that in the music I listen to. There's a place for it in music, just not in my ears. Okay, that's fun. That's it. Yeah, you you would hate like the early Waxahachie, like the very early stuff. You, you would not enjoy that at all. Glad you didn't send that because it's that, like you know. it's great and all, but it's like all acoustic and like she is clearly like going through some stuff. Like yeah. it's like <laughs> her first album is 
this feels like a bad comparison to make because like musically it's not similar and i understand like there's a lot of heavy implications but it really reminds me of like in utero by nirvana where like you listen to it and it's like this is a fucking amazing piece of art but this person is like not having a good time when they made this (laughs) you know what i mean yeah (laughs) but uh anyway let's move on two i went to see planes in concert austin uh in a town called saxophone hall north carolina never Um, ever heard of that in my yeah me either me either uh better (laughs) the entire town of saxophone is an old mill that has been converted into uh essentially a venue that they use for weddings and uh concerts there's also a brewery there that my brother works at uh so he went to this concert with me um and then they have like a general store and then that's basically it that's everything that exists in that entire town um so very strange i was driving there and the entire time i'm driving there i'm going like well this cannot be right (laughs) this cannot be correct they are not having a concert here and then i got there and i was like i guess this is it i was glad that my brother was there because he was able to explain like a lot of stuff to me that this was only like 30 minutes from my house so that was nice i will also say my brother was very confused that i was wanting to go to this I had to really convince him once I got there that this was something that I was excited to see because he was kind of like, it's uh, kind of like, yeah. So, do you listen to this album? Or I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> I listen to this a bunch of times. I was like, so do you know anything about this? Do you know what this is? And he was like, I know uh, that one woman. What's her name? And I was like. Waxahachie, he was like, yeah. She played here last year, and uh, everybody was like, hey, man, you got to go see this. You got to go see this. You got to go see her. And he was like, so I went. He's like, yeah. I think it was pretty good. I, I think, yeah, it was pretty good. And I was like, oh, wow, that's cool. I didn't know that. I was like, oh, that's that's sweet. And he was like, oh, yeah. And uh, I had to explained to him like multiple times that I was actually excited about this that like <laughs> it's just like this just doesn't seem like the kind of thing that you would listen to and I was just like yeah it's not but you know before we get into anything about the performance I'm gonna say right away this is a totally different vibe than any show I've ever been through Austin uh, <laughs> <I bet. laughs> this is just like people hanging out and drinking like craft beer and then like they come out and they're like we're just gonna play our little songs y'all you know, it was like that kind of a vibe. <laughs> okay, it was well. like a sh- it was like a show where people are paying super close attention. Like you are there to listen to the music. You know what right. I mean? Absorb it. Yeah. Um, which is cool though. It was fun because like this was like a very high level like performance. Like to see her sing in person, like her voice is incredible. Like it was it was really impressive. Um, it felt like a throwback show, you know. They played the whole album, uh, and then they played like two Waxahachie songs, and they played like two Jess Williamson songs, 
and they played like three covers. Uh, one of the covers they played was Mama, Don't Let Your Babies Grow to Be Cowboys, which nice. was very fun. That was super fun. Um, yeah, it was cool because, um, you know, the album's only been out like a month. People knew like the singles, you know, but a lot of people did not know like the whole album because it had really only been out like a few weeks when the actual concert was happening. They played for about an hour, which was which was pretty cool. I mean, it was it was very fun. Um, their backing band are clearly like very high level musicians. Like both of them are really talented singers. I think the thing with this is like it's a side project, like. She's not out there to play like her hits. She's out there to play like this is our thing that we did together. And like, so they were both having like a really good time. And Which so that awesome. made the show fun. Yeah. yeah. Like you could tell they were really into like each other and like the songs and like they were really having like when one of them would be singing, the other one would be like dancing and like. Well, that's, I mean, and that's, that's right. That's why you make an album with somebody else. You, there's no reason it's not like you're trying to sell more albums. You're just like, Hey, let's make an album together. Okay. That sounds fun. I mean, like, it's a very risky thing to go like, okay, here's my new material. We're not going to play any of the songs that you want to hear. Right. Like, and then the show still go like really well, like that's very impressive to pull off. You know what I mean? Like she, like I said, she played two of her songs and they were both like, songs from like her most recent album and like uh yeah so uh the encore they played two final covers one of them was a song called amarillo highway which i'm not super familiar with but it's some kind of old country song yeah i don't know that either but they closed with a dixie chicks cover now austin if you had to guess what dixie chicks song they played at the waxahatchee concert <laughs> What did you guess? Um, well, that's the chicks now. You know, they dropped Dixie. Okay, excuse me. <laughs> I didn't know that. Are you in? Yeah, they changed no, I don't follow, follow them very closely. Um, well, I want to say, because I think it would be funny if they played Goodbye Earl. Yeah, of course that's what it was. Okay, of course that's what it was. <laughs> I mean, Wide Open Spaces was probably the, like, the would have been the, the most obvious. But yeah, Goodbye Earl is fun. <laughs> It was a great version too, and like that, that like people were pumped to hear that. Like, yeah, because it was everybody a crowd wants to mostly, sing. Yeah. Everybody wants to sing na 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 na. Yes, that's and it was also song. one of the only songs they played that everybody knew the words to. That's... You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it was that was fun. That 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 really like tore the house down. Like I that bet. was the only song where people were like, literally like screaming and jumping around and like super excited. Like the rest of the show is like, okay, we're stand here and watch this. Like, yeah, great. but it's a different vibe too. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, I haven't heard a whole planes album, but I mean, from what I can tell from the one song, I was like, this is a very different song than goodbye. Earl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but it was fun. It was a very fun show. It's the first time I've gone to a show with my brother in like forever, but uh, he said he liked it. He was like, no, I thought that was actually really good. So, uh, yeah, he go. had not listened to any of it beforehand or anything. He was like, I figure I'll just get the gist of it when they start playing. Dwayne, like, the Waxahachie evangelical, spreading the word, <laughs> converting the masses. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was cool. Um, 
I think we have spent so much fucking time on Wax Hatchy that we should probably just move on. Right. But I had a really good time at the concert and I could talk about it for a long time. I'm glad. And you know what? I'm glad you got to go with your brother. That's nice. Yeah. All right. Austin. Believe it or not, we've, we're going to talk about Against Me a little an hour into the show. I guess before we get into the album, let's get into a few things that have been going on in the meantime. So the biggest thing going on in Laura's life is not long after the release of the last album, she started going through a divorce. Um, D-I-B-O-R-C. You don't know yeah. that song, do you? <laughs> nope. I have no idea what you're That's talking a about. Tammy Wynette song. Sorry, I didn't mean to derail you. No, I, I, no, I, no, no, you're good. You're good. Without knowing about the divorce, I will say that listening to this album, I was like, girl going through a divorce. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, we'll we are, into, yeah, we are we'll at the divorce album. That, but, uh, this is yeah. the divorce album. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're definitely getting divorced, Laura, on this album, hardcore. Um, so, yeah, I just want to mention that. I don't want to get too uh, much into the details, but uh, we talked about it a little bit on the transgender dysphoria blues episode but yeah things didn't really work out um and laura took it pretty hard okay (laughs) the next thing we're going to talk about uh is in 2015 laura produced an album for another band that we have talked about before and that is the band warriors she produced this their album imaginary life which is their second album. And that's really their breakout album. Like that's when they really like, in my opinion, like really get like their sound together and sort of become the band that they uh, would become. Uh, And you can also really feel Laura's influence on this album. I have to go back and and listen to that because that is, I think that was the first album that, you suggested to me and i was like oh i like that like really really early on in our friendship like uh i would say the standout songs on that album for me are yes all cops and most space and then they them theirs which is one of their signature songs lauren the singer is non-binary and uh so that is a song about dealing with that and uh having to sort of explain yourself all the time uh but Warriors are a great band. So um, one final thing I want to talk about is a quote. I read an interview from NPR in 2015 of Lord Jane Grace and Lauren Denzito together talking about this album and talking about a few things. And th- I went back and forth of whether or not to keep this quote, because it really has nothing to do with anything that we're talking about. I think Lauren made a really good point. And uh, I don't know. I just want to highlight it because it's something I've been thinking about, especially recently. Um, <clears throat> so essentially, they are asked about like uh, sexism and homophobia and that kind of thing in the punk scene. And this is what they had to say. I think it's just that feeling that we're all on the same page. No one here is sexist. No one here wants to treat women or queer folks any differently. I wanted to draw attention to the fact that That's just not true. And even if you identify as feminist or you like certain bands or have certain political beliefs, that doesn't mean that you can't screw up sometimes and say things that are disrespectful or making people feel uncomfortable. I wanted to point out those things that definitely do exist that I think a lot of men specifically aren't always thinking about. They're not wrong. 
Yeah, I definitely think uh, that's a big issue where people think like, well, I have good politics, so of course I do everything right. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah honestly, those are usually the worst offenders. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of like the this recent new, like the it's, at the time of recording, it just came out a couple of days ago about like puberty blockers and it's very transphobic and yeah. it was in the New York Times. It was like, ah, oh, fucking wild. Yeah, what a yeah, I saw that too. Uh, which is a good segue to the next thing we're going to talk about. Uh, I could talk about Warriors forever, but we spent so long on Waxahachie that uh, I guess we should talk about it against me. But the next thing that happened is in May 2016 in Durham, North Carolina, Laura burned her birth certificate on stage in protest of a bill at the time, which basically said that you have to use the bathroom oh, that yeah. is associated with the gender on your birth certificate. Uh, a lot of artists boycotted North Carolina for a little while there uh, in response to the bill. Uh, but Laura felt very strongly that, nope, we've got to go there and play. And uh, so she burned her birth certificate on stage in protest. And I have a quote about it, Austin. This is what she had to say in her own words about it from Vogue magazine in 2016. She says, I was always taught by punk to think for yourself and to question authority. That's what I've always tried to do. We had booked our show in North Carolina before anything came up about the law. When the boycott started happening, I got a call from my manager and he asked us if we wanted to boycott too. I was just dumbfounded. I was like, no, of course not. We're going to go there. We're going to play. A lot of it just had to do with the fact that I already operate under the assumption that every place is like that. There is some kind of law on the books that would target me. I already operate under that fear, so it doesn't really change anything for me. Obviously, burning your birth certificate is really symbolic. It's protest symbolism. I had people come up to me afterwards like, what are you going to do now? What are you going to do without a birth certificate? (laughs) I think there's I think there's something to be said about. So I, I think that okay, if Metallica boycotts North Carolina, right? There's a chance that they end up hurting someone who might support a bill like that, right? Like there's definitely sure. shitheads in Metallica's audience that are like, well, we think that you should use the right bathroom, well, whatever. But I, I think, think they said Justin Timberlake was a big one at the time. Uh, an against me concert, right? Like if if Laura boycotted, that's only going to hurt the people who would see her. And those are typically people who are against this kind of legislation, right? Right. You're not getting transphobic bigots at an against me. One thing she talked about in a couple other interviews, just like, yeah, but there's trans people in North Carolina and they don't have the option to boycott. Right. Like they got to be there. And this might be the only outlet they have all year. Exactly. 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 Like going to an against me concert in North Carolina as a trans person might be one of the few opportunities to be in a, a place with people that are, that are similar in the, your community, your community. Right. That's, that's absolutely where it is. Yeah. And I think that that I, I don't hold that against her. I'm not, I'm not. Yeah. I think that that's a smart move. I think that actually sends a better message that brings a, a group of people together that have, that are being oppressed, really. I mean, there's not another word for it. That uh, And that was a major deal in that election cycle. And it's basically what won Roy Cooper, the Democrat uh, candidate, 
It's basically what won him the race for governor that year was his opposition to this bill. But then when he took office, of course, he didn't feel as strongly about it all of a sudden, which is interesting. But uh, no, yeah, but it was a it was it was a fundraiser, wasn't it? You know, you raised some funds. Yeah. <laughs> it was definitely like at the time, it was definitely like at least encouraging that most people were like, no, this is fucked up. Like, what is the purpose of this? I think, I think, I think, and we saw this in this election cycle too. I think most people in this country, no matter if they're left wing or right wing, if you were to ask them, like, do you think a person should be allowed to medically transition genders? They would say, yes, that's none of my business. Even yeah, if or I, I don't care, care, it has nothing to do with me. Right. And I think like, <laughs> yeah. So I think, I don't think things are getting better. I think things are still getting worse. And a lot of these laws are on the books, but we saw in this recent election cycle that like the anti-trans agenda was like, not very successful. That yeah. did not go well. Like they were pushing that really hard and like, Either pe- people feel one of two ways about it. They're either vehemently opposed to that kind of language or they're just like, I don't want to hear about this. Well, you also like, I mean, this is a problem with the media, media ecosystem as it is. It's like the people that are the loudest and the noisiest get all the coverage, right? So right, of course. That, that, that caters to the extremes. And yeah. that's most people don't give a shit really about a lot of these issues. Most yeah. People, I mean, I, and I'm not saying that to be like dismissive or anything. Oh, no, not at all. Yeah, and yeah. I, I also don't think that's good. I think that's, no. that's bad. But I think it, like, I think if you were to ask the vast majority of people in this country, like, how do you feel about like someone being transgender? They're just like, I don't care. Yeah. Like that has nothing to do with me. Move on Austin. And we will finally get into the album that we are here to talk about today, uh, which is shape shift with me. It came out on September 16th, 2016, which is just a couple months before her book that came out in November of that same year. It was once again on Total Trouble Records, and your producers this time are Laura Jane Grace and Mark Hudson. Now, Mark Hudson is a guy who was a sound engineer for Against Me and a bunch of other bands that we have talked about on this show before, like Taking Back Sunday, Motion City Soundtrack, Say Anything. He worked with Warriors. He worked with Saves the Day. He worked with a ton of really cool bands. Um he was also, after this, the bassist in Laura's follow-up project to Against Me, Laura Jane Grace and the Devouring Mothers. So he's worked pretty closely with Laura. And on this album, he also played bass on Boyfriend and Suicide Bomber. So the way this worked with the dual production is Laura was sort of in charge of like sound direction, the art direction. And Mark did like the recording, the mixing, the engineering. He was like technical. doing all the technical stuff that I'm sure Laura had fun doing twice. But the third time was just like, all right, <laughs> let somebody else do this. Uh, that's, she did not say that explicitly but that would be my assumption um so i just want to talk about him very quickly uh because he worked very closely with laura for the next few years all right austin on this album just like last time 
against me is Laura Jane Grace on vocals, James Bowman on guitar, Ing Johansson on bass, and Adam Willard on the drums. And before we get into our thoughts about this album, uh, one thing that was talked about in a lot of interviews was this was just kind of written on tour, like a couple songs at a time. And after a couple years, they were like, hey, I think we got enough songs for an album. Let's let's make an album. And so this all came together very quickly. They talked about like there wasn't like a lot of demoing or, uh, you know, it was just like we wrote the songs, we hammered them out. And then when we had enough, we were like, yep, let's do an album. So uh, a little bit different writing process than um, they had done in the last few years where they kind of uh, took their time. I mean, this, this came out very quickly. This is, you know, less than two years after Transgender Dysphoric Blues, and you also have a live album in between and a book coming out. So, like, a lot happening in this sort of time period. Um, as far as the critics go, this was, this was very well-reviewed. Um, a lot of people did say that they weren't as high on it as last album, but most of the reviews sort of said that this was this was pretty much a good to great album. I did not really read many, if any, bad reviews. Most people thought this was at least pretty good. Um, so let's get into it, Austin. I will let you go first because I have been talking for a long time. before you get into any of the songs just overall feelings how do you feel about this so i with this album i thought this is pure laura jane grace like this is (laughs) drink from the fire hose there is no illusion about anything like uh, transgender dysphoria blues you know there's there was the concept part of it right and and there's some there's some songs that are that have a lot of illusions in them, but like this one, this, this is the only person in this band at this point who can relate to every one of these songs is Lord Jane Grace. Any of these songs is Lord Jane there's, Grace. Yeah. There's very little ambiguity in any of these songs. Right. Like All of that every single gone. one of these songs is very straightforward. Yes. Of like, this is what I'm talking about right now. Yeah. This, um, this is Lord Jane Grace, the album. This is yeah, like sure. the subtitle. It's definitely like musically it's their, it's definitely their most experimental album. Like they're yeah. trying a lot of different things here. Um, I think it works more as like a full piece than any one song, which I think is true about most. Of the- no, I just, I, I appreciate that. I like albums as albums as opposed to like a collection of singles. That's oh, that, that's Absolutely. far more appealing to me. I agree with that hundred um, percent. I will have to say that I think this is a good album. Uh, it's very good in places. It's really not as tight as I'd like it to be. It, it drags at times. I think, like, I'm not negative on this at all. I, I, Like I said, I think it's a good album, but I also think it is a level below every single one of their other albums. Like, it, it doesn't quite hit the level of the other stuff they made for me. What do, what do you think? It's, it suffers from following transgender dysphoria blues. You know? Yeah, like it's tough. Any album that's going to follow that is going to be really, really... It, it's got... The expectations are incredibly yeah. high. It's it's hard enough to make a great first album and then follow that up with a second album. The software's, it's really the software's hard to 12 years into your career make like the most incredible thing you've ever made and then 
a year and a half later, you got to come back with something else. Yeah. You know I mean? That's tough to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, I, I, I just think this feels a little rushed. I wish they would. I understand. They felt like we got songs. Let's do an album. We need more money coming in. But uh, I, I think if like they take another year to work on this, like yeah. it's probably a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're probably, I think you're, you're probably right, but you know what? That's it. Sometimes you just got to get it out there. Sometimes you got to, if you're a working musician, you got to work. Yeah. And, and you hit on something that, uh, that Laura did talk about a lot in interviews of like, um, she really felt like I want to show every part of myself. I don't want to just do like another album. That's about being transgender because there's, I got more going on than that. You know what I mean? And uh, uh, clearly, at this time, she had a lot going on. Uh, yeah, it's, I think it's good though. You know, I think that that's the right that's the right move is to don't focus on just one part of your identity. You know, and, and, make and another an thing that we have uh, we've talked about before is like with her music, Laura does not like to repeat herself. Well, nobody Even, wants to listen to that either. Let's get into the songs, unless you have any kind of overall thoughts. That was it. Those uh, were my overall thoughts. Yeah, I think we're we're pretty much on the same page. Good, but not great. But they're doing some interesting stuff, at least. And yeah. uh, we will talk about that. Let's get into the first song, which is Provision L3. And this is the one right off the bat that is what we're talking about. Like, this is very straightforward. It's literally about a machine at the airport. <laughs> All the lyrics are about that. Like, <laughs> uh this one hit weird the first time. I was like, "What? What is this? This is like a departure from what I'm used to for this." Yeah. But I have to say, the more I listen to it, the more I, I it kind of caught on with me. This one was one. This was a, a grower for sure. I just didn't know what a Provision L3 was, so I looked it up, and then I was like, oh, "Okay, everything. This is yeah. yeah. This is a very straightforward song." So one of the things that she sort of talked about was that um, these kind of machines and specifically the ProVision L3 uh, have been responsible for outing uh, transgender people uh, at the airport. And that's just another kind of daily grind uh, that goes along with uh, being transgender. Um, If you Google like airport scanner genitals, it comes up with all of these articles about trans people going through this very scanner. So Austin, uh, before we talk any more about this song, there is an intro in Japanese um, done by, and forgive me if this is not how this name is pronounced. I barely speak English, so I'm tr- I'm trying here. But this fellow's name is Masa Kutanero, but he's from a Japanese hardcore band. Uh, <laughs> Starts with the letter H. Last thing I want to say about this. And this is something that is uh, a big thing online. It's like musicians and wrestlers think the airport is like really interesting. <laughs> like they really think people want to hear about the airport. You know what I mean? And it's like, buddy, let me tell you, the amount of time that I'm interacting with an airport is not a lot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, but the amount of time they are is is massive. But yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah. I mean, they I've they never always really... like. I've never thought about that, but I, you're 100%. musicians are not as bad about it as wrestlers. Wrestlers are some of the worst about just oh complaining God, yeah. about the airport. Uh, song number two is called 1203. 
This is a song that is specifically about Heather. Yeah. And sort of the period where she was kind of falling in love with her and, and being nervous. And uh, talks about this song specifically is written about a time when she was on tour with the Gaslight Anthem in 2007. Is that a band that you're familiar with at all? I do know the Gaslight Anthem. I'm not super, super familiar, but I've definitely listened to them a few times. Yeah, I'm I'm sort of in the same boat. Not a band I'm huge on, but I think I think you might like them. I think if you checked them out, you might like them. Yeah. One, but uh one of the lyrics here is uh I'm learning to roll cones a little better. And this was uh literally about how Alex from the Gaslight Anthem was teaching her how to roll joints. And uh she's like sort of just nervously waiting around for Heather to call her while she's on tour. I thought this was like one of the standout songs on the album this is just kind of like a fun little love song not too he- it's not too heavy like a lot of the uh other songs on here I think this, is, this is like a perfect like second third song on the album just kind of to get you in the groove of uh what's going on what do you think about this one i liked it it was the first time i was like oh we're gonna talk about divorce <laughs> like, oh, like yeah. this was like, I was <laughs> oh, like oh yeah because i mean i knew after the last episode we recorded that that was on the the you know the horizon and then i heard this song and i was like oh here we go this is it <laughs> yeah. um it's very polished and it's very poppy and it is like i mean you would if you yeah. played this song and one of those first eps that we talked about on the show you wouldn't think it was from the same band Right, yeah. And in many ways, it's not the same band, but, you know, besides Laura J. Grace. And so it's, this is, yeah, this was a pop song. But I, it wasn't bad. I liked it. Um, but those are the two things that stood out. She was not only trying to get away from, like, uh, more political-leaning stuff, but she also wanted to, like, break out of their traditional music style and, like, do some different things and just kind of make some, like... F- she talked about like she wanted to make like songs people could dance to and stuff and make sort of more fun, lighthearted stuff. And I don't know if a ton of the songs on this album sort of fit into that, but uh, this one in particular, I think, uh, does. Well, we talked about how she sings now rather than yeah. yelling and screaming. Like that's that's part right, of that transition. Absolutely. Yeah. Pardon the pun. It was not a. <laughs> All right. Move on to song number three which is called Boyfriend. This song was co-written uh, by Cody Votolato of the band The Blood Brothers. And uh, this is like the only time that Laura has brought like an outside writer in to help her co-write a song or two. There are times when other members of Against Me are credited with some songwriting, but for the most part, it's just Laura. And uh, it's never like an outsider. So uh, that's kind of interesting. I think it worked really well on this song. To me, this is like a great song. It's just like a really, really good song. Yeah, this really to like- me feels like the most against me. This is pretty in line with like what you would expect from them. Uh, before I get into more background info about it, what do you think of this one? I, I, I dug it. I, 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 it was one of the ones that I was like, Oh, I put a little plus by it. That's my, my system for whether yeah. you like it or not. Um, yeah, it was great. It, it's, you know, I think it's a very telling song, you know, talking yeah. about being a trans woman, dating women, you know, and it just, it's, yeah, it's, it's one thing that she talks about 
really struggling with when um, you are dating as a transgender person is you want the person to be attracted to the feminine parts of you. And that's not always the case. And also you are fetishized a lot of times. Big time. You're not in a relationship with someone who like is taking you seriously as a person. Um, And that's one of the things that she's talking about. Just the difficulty around trying to date as a transgender woman. Um, The lyric that really stuck out for me. And I think this is like one of the standout lyrics on the whole album is I don't want to hang around the graveyard waiting Mm -hmm. for something dead to come back. You know, she's like that part of me, that masculine part of me is is gone now. Yeah, it's definitely a song that like uh, is very fun and catchy. And then the more you pay attention to it, like uh, she's kind of talking about some very heavy uh, subject matter. But uh, I really, really, really like this one a lot. Uh, big fan of it. Anything else you want to say about this one? No, I mean, I, I dug it. This is this is this is more along the lines of what I expected as a follow-up from the previous yeah, album. Absolutely. And I don't think right, I got listen. enough of it, but you know, that's, that's another thing. I agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. To get, to, to go off of that, like I would definitely have preferred the album to have more songs that sounded like this than some of the songs on the second half of the album that we will get into. <laughs> uh, cause I, cause I think like the first half of this is really strong. And then in the second half, it just goes in some really strange directions, but we'll get into that more as we go on. Uh, song number four is called Crash. This is just a quick, fun little rock song, like simple lyrics, very catchy, just another love song. I I, I like this one a lot. I would, I'm not going to say this is my best song and my favorite song, but this is the one that kept getting stuck in my head. Really? Like I would be walking around singing like the chorus and stuff to this one. I really like this one a lot. What'd you think? I, I liked it. I mean, it was fuzzy pop, not my favorite on the album, yeah. uh, but it was a big departure for the band sound. I thought, you know, oh yeah, like it, yeah. it was. And I, and I appreciate that. I like, Hey, you know, put your neck out there take a chance. Um, I don't know that it's totally successful. The, the, the chorus is catchy though. I I will give you that, but it's just, it's a very cute song and I'm not sure that this band has always been good at. Austin, you hate anything that's nice. I just like, something's nice. nice, You're like, get this out of here. (laughs) All right. (laughs) (laughs) Like this song is very quick and the lyrics are are very simplistic. So they're like, there's not a ton to talk about, but uh, yeah. All right. So let's move on to song number five. Delicate, petite, and other things I'll never be. Uh, and this is another one about the difficulties of dating as a trans person and, and just feeling like you're unlovable because of your body that you have no control over. It's not one of my favorite songs on the album, but I think it's I think it's pretty solid. I think it's a pretty good song. What do you think about this before we go into some other stuff? So this was actually this was actually one of my favorite songs on the album. Okay. Right. Um, I said it was like the return of the wah-wah guitar. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> much and I like that. I I thought at first I was like, at first I was like, I really kind of wanted to do something else, you know, like I'm I'm ready, I'm waiting for that moment where it just like steps up and does something bigger. But the more I listened to it, I was like, no, it does the 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 like wah-wah does a ton of work. The keyboards do a bunch of work. Um, I, I liked it. I, I this was 
one that caught my ear the first listen through and i was like i need to go back and listen to that a few more times and i use the term real a lot and one thing that trans people battle and this is definitely like a big thing on the internet right now is you're not a real woman you're not a real man right. you have to prove that you're a woman somehow and we have to pass too and it's yeah you know yeah it's definitely about passing and, and that kind of thing um there's a great lyric in here though that i really loved and wanted to highlight the skin on your neck looks a little thin. Don't go sticking it out for me. Yeah. It's like, that's such a great line. That's a burn too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, uh, I like this song. It's just not one of my favorites, but uh, I'm glad you really liked it. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Um, I did. I liked it. Okay. Austin, let's move on to song number six, which is three, three, three. This was the lead single uh this is another really good one in my opinion i thought this might be more into your wheelhouse though because i don't know if you caught this but there are multiple references to famous paintings did i did okay do you I want was, to talk about that because yeah, so this I, is stuff that i know nothing about until <laughs> i looked up the lyrics um so i was i thought this actually was the most against me sounding song on the album okay like, o- yeah, older I, yeah like you thought maybe it was boyfriend. I, I don't disagree with you, but I, this one was, I think, really hit the mark. These these two are pretty similar in yeah. sort of style and they're, sound. They're yeah. cousins for sure, yeah. if not siblings. Um, yeah, I, I just was like, I'm listening to this and I was like, Lord J. Grace just made a reference to Anselm Kiefer. That's boy, we've really come on a journey, haven't we? <laughs> like, yeah. We're talking about uh, anarchists and burning it down to like, hey, let's go take a little stroll through a museum and see Kiefer's you know latest work. And yeah. that's just oh, that's cool. Uh, I was like, hey, cool, let's do it, man. Let's let's. This is a journey that we're on. <laughs> so the three 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 here is uh, sort of a reference to the Christian Holy Trinity. Um, you know, Laura likes to play around with like uh, religious imagery and, and stuff in the songs, but uh, yeah, I, I really like this one a lot too. Yeah, and this is I see why they picked this as the lead single. Um, and this is another one that it's like, yeah, I just kind of wish more of the song sounded like this. Yeah, I wrote it this one, I was like, this is a nice little rock song. Yeah, and that, that I mean that in the highest actual praise that I can, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, this is not other than one song that we'll talk about later. This isn't like a very punk album. No, like she's definitely doing like more of like an indie rock kind of a thing here. Yeah, for sure. Like, uh, which I don't have a big issue with. I think that's fine. But I mean, we've Um, seen it like this doesn't this this is not like a step in a it's there's it's a little jarring at first, but it like it makes sense in the progression of the band, I feel like. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I, th- I think there's probably a little bit too of at this time she's getting bored. Yeah, you know, I don't much. We've been doing the same kind of thing for a long time now. Yeah, let's do something let's, different. Yeah. Uh, all right, so let's move on to song number seven, which is "Haunting Haunted Haunts." Now, this one is for sure a divorce song. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is a fun one, though. Uh, yeah. I like this. Yeah. This is, uh, this this is the most go. fun song about divorce. I think I can I, I can <laughs> muster up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, this was actually released through Adult Swim singles at the oh. time in 2016. Uh, so that's that's kind of weird. That is um, weird. Yeah, this was the third single, I believe. 
second or third. Um, and she's kind of playing around with different meanings of the word haunt. Uh, it's talking about haunting the bar and also be ha- being haunted by the person uh, who left. But yeah, this was definitely one of the songs where like immediately like, oh, we're getting into the divorce stuff now. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. Divorce Laura is in full effect here. Yeah. But but in a good way, I thought this is this yeah no goes, I like this one a lot too yeah. yeah this is like we're just we're we're accepting it and we're gonna have some fun we're gonna sing about drinking getting high we've got a really catchy chorus it's this yeah. is this this is this one I can see being a really I don't know if she plays it because it is a very personal song but this is a yeah. sing songy sing along yeah. song for sure this is another one. Uh, of something that we've highlighted many times that Laura does great where she is talking about like a very specific thing from her life, but it is incredibly like relatable to like pretty much anybody. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like anything else you want to say about this one. Yeah. I really like it too. Yeah. This is one of my favorites on the album for sure. All right. Let's move on to song number eight, dead rats. This was not one of my favorites. No, me neither. I was like, do we do we have to talk about this next song? Yeah, I was not a fan of this. This is another big divorce one, but this one did not work as well. Oh, uh, I think I feel the same way about it, and I think I probably am going to think the same thing that you or say the same thing that well, you're you say go about ahead, it. <laughs> I was going to say, first of all, this feels like a completely different band. I thought I was like, this doesn't feel yeah. like a gets me song, and there's no reason this needed to be four minutes long. And I know that's not long in terms of a yeah. song, but boy, if you cut it off right at three minutes, would have been much better. I had not even considered that, but you're absolutely right. This is like to me the exact moment where things start to go off the rails. I agree. I do like the lyric here. It was a nice dream, but it was a naive fucking fantasy. Uh, sort of talking about the idea that she could transition and keep her marriage intact and everything like that. Um but yeah, man, I just I wasn't into this one. Yeah. It, it it at this point, eight songs in, it's like, oh, another one about the divorce, huh? You're really upset about that. I, I don't uh, have much else. I, I it did yeah. have like the the guitar was really dirty, and I liked it, but that was yeah. really about the the highlight of it. Yeah. Like I said, I did like some of the lyrics, but the song itself didn't do much for me. All right, let's move on to song number nine, which is Rebecca. This is the fastest song on the album. This is the most like traditional punk. Like musically, I really like this one a lot. It's really fun and catchy. The lyrics here are very horny. I know like, she is like I, I Wayne probably hates this song because it's about sex outside of marriage. It's very much about sex. <laughs> like, yeah, she is like she's horned up on this. Horny one. on she's, the main. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We talked about on the on the new wave uh episode about like uh just horny punk songs not being like a thing that I uh am super enthusiastic about. But but yeah, I mean, I like this one. I think it's one of the better songs in the album. But uh, yeah, man, she's really not like this. Is another one. They're, like, there's no ambiguity. Right. Like, it's literally just a song about like I want to fuck. Yep. Let's let's fuck. Let's do it. And I think it's like, I think it's a thing that like anyone can relate to. Of like, sometimes you go through like a bad breakup, and you just have this idea in your head of like i just want to have sex with anyone else (laughs) right now you know what i mean right 
<laughs> and uh, yeah, I think that's definitely like one of the things that uh, she's going on for. Anything else you want to say about this one? I think we're good. Yeah. I think the, right. the last bit of this album is going to go pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's move on to song number 10, which is Norse Truth Man. Not a big fan of this one at all. And I'm going to think that, that you coming. feel the same way. <laughs> I know. I, I I was like, oh, it's okay. It's like, it's just okay. another divorce song. I mean, it's another divorce song. She's I'm doing a little like, like a weird, like talk sing thing here. The lyrics are like very pre- provocative and sexual, but like, it just doesn't really click for me. Uh, so one of the ideas is that this and delicate petite and other things i'll never be are sort of like uh mirrors of each other she's talking about uh more real than all the rest is sort of a lyric that repeats in both songs and sort of like uh the idea of in delicate petite and other things on her she's sort of talking about herself being more real and then sort of in norse truth she's kind of talking about being disappointed that Perhaps Heather was not as real uh, as she thought she was. Uh, This is another one that Cody helped write. Um, And Laura really wanted the album to cover the entire spectrum of love. Falling in love, being in love, falling out of love. Like, and... uh, but I think she leaned a little too heavy on the falling out of love. Maybe <laughs> there's a lot of songs about divorce. Yeah, and they just—it's yeah. just that there's—it's not even that the number. It's—it's it's just that some worked a lot better than others, right? Yeah, I mean, like yeah, I, yeah. you could do an entire album about divorce, which is almost I think, what this I is. Think this is absolutely, and I think this—I mean, fucking uh, the Mountain Goats did a great album about divorce, right? Right. <laughs> but. Um, I think this is one where like it, it just feels rushed. Like some of these songs needed some more time. Or, you know, she talked about on the last album, like really road testing a lot of the songs. And and I think I think if you had played this live, it probably wouldn't have gone over that well, like had people never heard it before. You know what I mean? Like this um, I, I know I've referenced this before and I haven't I've I've tried to intentionally not reference it for the last few episodes, but this song is it feels very theatrical like it yeah. needed to be on a in a, a broadway show almost the way sure. that you you speak and then you sing but this reminds me of again hedwig and the angry inch has got that big vibes which is you know now yeah. 15 years before this came out they were that's your apes of the state that's my apes of the yeah for sure <laughs> you have to bring up every <laughs> i'm proud i haven't brought it up in a while but i i was like this one i can't help it <laughs> All right. Anything else you want to say about this one? Uh, yeah, I just did not like this one very much. Yeah, it just it was okay. It's not. It's not my worst song. There no. is another song that I like even less. Me but I was not too. This one. Way All right, let's move on to song number eleven, which is "Suicide Bomber." Uh, Adam helped co-write this one. Uh, I'm going to just say right off the bat, not a fan of the vocal style here at. Oh, she is doing a very weird thing with her voice and like uh, the production and uh, like not a fan of it. Uh, It is Beatrice Martin, who is a French singer who is providing the background vocals on this one and the next song. Um, 
So essentially what this song is, is Laura trying to write a song from the perspective of a parent whose child uh, is involved in like a mass shooting or some kind of bombing or something. I think Laura is at her best when she is writing very personal songs from her very unique perspective that no one else in the world has. And when she is trying to write on behalf of other people, it just doesn't work. Feels like, like cosplaying. That's, yeah, that's not what she is good at. No. There are a lot of great artists who uh can sort of write in someone else's voice. And I just don't think that is Laura's strength. No, I would agree um, with you on that. I think you're yeah, I think that's a really fair way to say it, but I I, I did not love this song. Yeah, I'm not I did I did not care for this song. I think we can I think we can move on. <laughs> okay, uh, next <laughs> unless you have anything else you want to say no, about it. Nothing productive. <laughs> yeah. All right. I have a feeling we'll talk about it a bit more later. Let's move on to song number 12, which is the last song on this album. It's not the last song we're going to talk about today, but it is the last song on this album, which is All This and More. I really like this one. I think this is uh, a great closer for this album. Uh, just a fun little catchy song. Definitely like a, a, a nice break from sort of the heaviness of the last like three or four, four songs. Yeah, four songs. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and this is just about like trying to forget someone and moving on. But like, no matter how bad things get in a relationship and in the breakup, like you still have those like perfect little moments that you hang on to and like memories and yeah, yeah, absolutely. and uh, it's hard to uh, you know let go of that stuff a lot of times. Uh, what do you think of this one? I I liked it. It was fine. It's you know kind of a breath of fresh air, like you had said yeah. after the last few. Um, it's a decent song to end the album on, you know. I mean, I think if I think it really it really benefits from following the songs that it followed because it's like at least a normal one for once. (laughs) (laughs) Send send them home happy. This is it. Yeah, but but no, I I I like this one quite a bit. I think it's a fun little song. Uh, it's got a a good heart. It's good energy and uh, it's fun. Yeah. Uh, I don't have a ton else to say about it. How about I you? mean, it, it, it sort of fits that mold where it's like, okay, so we've closed this chapter. Let's move on to the next one, even though there's yeah. not really a next one. But- the next thing we are going to talk about is a single that was released on record store day in 2017. That is basically just uh, some B sides from songs that did not make the album here. This might be a controversial opinion, Austin, but I like this single a lot more than I like the album. Like these are two really good songs that like are quick and fun and what they're attempting to do works well. It's weird to compare a single to an album because it's two songs versus 12. You know, it's two songs on they complement each other well and like everything works. I like this a lot. What do you think? It's fun. You know, like there's, there's heavy stuff on shapeshift with me, you know, like there's some, and there's some downer songs, but like, this is like, you're in, you do your thing, you have a good time, you get the fuck out. Yeah. 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 And again, it's like, like we've talked about before, I wish more of that album sounded like this single. Right. Like it's weird that these are the songs that they thought, let's not put that on there. 
Right. Like, oh, okay. Well, some of the best stuff you made. But uh, let's get into the first song, which is Stabatha Christie. Again, just a fun, quick one. Lyrically, this is a very weird song for Laura. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm not totally sure like what this is about exactly. All right. I'm but, glad. Um, I thought maybe I was alone. I was like, Dwayne's going to tell me what this is about, and I'm going to feel dumb, but I have no idea. Um, with the B-sides and stuff, too, it's really hard to find like a lot of information. Um, and and I think I think the lyrics are sort of purposely like uh, ambiguous. and Yeah. She's trying to do something different here. It is a, it is a very, like, musically, this is pretty, like, standard against me, fair. Yeah. But lyrically, like, she's really trying to do, like, something outside of her comfort zone. But I think it works. I I like this a lot. I can kind of see why she thought this didn't fit on the album. Like, thematically, it doesn't really gel right. with the rest of the stuff. This is a really good song. This is good stuff. It's a good think. fun name, too. Stabatha Christie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's catchy. Like, it's good. I like it. Yeah, I I agree. I I didn't totally understand what it was about, like you, but didn't didn't prevent me from liking it. Yeah, I mean, you don't. I mean, against me is a band that um, pretty much all their songs are about something very specific right. or like a a theme or something. Not all music has to be like totally um, straightforward lyrically. Yeah. And I think, but I think, but I think when a band like Against Me doesn't do that, like does a song that's just like, hey, this is a song about whatever, blah, 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 you know, not a big, not a heavy meaning. You're like, wait, okay. Yeah. Oh, it definitely stands out because it's like, oh, that's weird. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the last song that we are going to talk about today. Uh, I guess this is, this is technically the last against me song released they released one song after this but it was a cover of the song people who died um in 2018 but but essentially this is the last against me song released it's the last original song at least and it's called first high of the morning I gotta tell you, Austin, I really love this song. Like, <laughs> I like this song it's a, a it's lot. Jingle pop. It's good. Yeah. It's slower than their normal stuff, but it's such a like well-written and well-constructed song. Right. Like it's catchy, it's fun. You know exactly what it's about. She's sort of talking about like addiction and love and those two things as metaphors for each other and like it's another one where like the lyrics are very simplistic and and simple, but like it just works, man. I just, I really, really like this song a lot. I would say unlike stab of the Christie, I'm a little surprised that this didn't make the album. This one would have felt, I thought the same thing. I was like, this definitely should have been on the album. This absolutely should have been on there somewhere. Yeah. Like, yeah, I agree completely. Yeah. Really, really like this one a lot. Anything else you want to say about it? No, it's good stuff. We agree on that. Yeah. 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 I mean, this, I, w- I would honestly say, like, uh, if you're only going to listen to one thing here, I would just listen to this single. Uh, yeah, it was very good. But, like, these are two songs that I think do a better job of doing what she was trying to do on this album than the album actually does itself. Like, That's fair. Yeah. But anyway. this came out after, th- and this came out after the album. So she might have had. Yeah. It came out about a year later. Yeah. They were all some- recorded around the same time. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. 
essentially these songs were written and recorded for the album. They just didn't make it on there. Okay. And then a year later they, they put it out. Yeah. All right, Austin, let's move on to the quotes. I've got quite a few quotes here. Um, so not all the quotes here are about the album specifically. Um, there's a lot of different topics that she gets into that I thought she had very interesting things to say about. Uh, the first couple of quotes are from an Entertainment Weekly interview that Nolan Feeney did with Laura in September of 2016. So basically, Nolan asked her um, if she felt obligated to speak about trans issues again on this album. She says, I just want to write about living. I want to move on from that part. While being willing to still talk about that stuff in the media, I get burned out on that. My whole identity is not gender. My whole identity is not talking about gender. There are so many other things in my life that are fulfilling that I like to talk about too. I've moved on from this decision I've been wrestling with forever. Maybe I could just live, you know, maybe I could just do that. And that would be a great step as opposed to having the album strictly focused on the most popular aspects of transgender representation in the media. Yeah. She's right. I mean, that's it. You're more than, you're more than just the one part of your identity, you know, right. Yes. And I think one of the things that she, um, she talks about in the next quote and that she talked about in a lot of interviews is like, she just wants to make something for trans people. That's like, just about being a person like yeah. I'm a trans person and I made this thing right like that doesn't have any it's not about being trans I drop off my you dry know? cleaning I yeah. you know like I, right. I go exactly. to my job I it's 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 just like everybody else yeah absolutely uh and so she is speaking here uh in the same interview on the experience of being trans and she says there's so much focus in the media when it comes to trans people about the idea of transitioning this person was this gender before and now they're this gender that's crazy what are the nuts and bolts that go along with that and and historically sexuality for trans people has been degraded down to just being a fetish trans people should be able to fall in love and sing love songs too and have that be just as valid you turn it on the radio and every other song is some guy singing about some girl who broke his heart or vice versa and that and there's not a lot of trans representation with that yeah she's right absolutely yeah uh and i think like we talked about maybe she leaned a little too heavy on the uh on the divorce stuff on this album but i think like you know that that's part of it too it's like this is what i'm going through in my life right, right. now i was i was transitioning on the last album and that's what i was going through now i'm going through this divorce so that's what i'm writing about oh yeah and and just wanting to be seen as a whole person and uh yeah all right the next couple quotes austin are from the vogue article that we talked about a little bit earlier all right with michelle ruiz and uh, this is about her book and wanting it to feel authentic. And this is what Laura had to say. Originally, I had a different publisher and I lost that deal because I was hell bent on the story being the truth. And other people wanted it to be like becoming Laura and more uplifting. Now everyone lives happily ever after. It was really, really just not me. It kept tripping me up. I didn't know how to end it because I don't die. The band's still together. But as far as happily ever after, 
I think that's really dishonest. That's not how life works. And I needed to give myself the room to go on living as a person, to leave the story open-ended. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I think that there's, that's, that's the authenticity in the book, right? Is that you're not inventing this fairy tale that, that, that ends in a nice bow. Absolutely. And I wanted to highlight this because we have talked about the book so much, uh, not on this episode, but on basically every other episode. And, uh, and it's, and I mean, it's truly one of the most honest books I've ever read, uh, Laura is not concerned about painting herself in a good light or giving people a storybook ending. It is very much about telling an honest representation of her experience. Worse so, and all. That's what it is. Yeah. All right. So this next one, Michelle asks, the social constructs of male and female come up in the book. Even as you transition, you felt what you wondered might be your male ego flaring up when you were having relationship issues with Heather. I wonder, too, now that you're living outwardly as a woman, if you're experiencing sexism for the first time. And Laura says, that's a lot of what I was trying to examine with this record. I was trying to capture the full spectrum of emotion that comes with any relationship the crush, the lust, then the falling out of love and the anger or the confusion, going through these emotions in real life. I often found them really dysphoric, specifically anger. It was like, okay, this is typically a male way to feel. Is that the male part of my socialization that I can't let go of? Or is this just the way that you're allowed to feel regardless of your gender? When does anger become misogyny? I thought about it constantly. Which emotions are exclusive to what? And realized Maybe they aren't. I think the answer is it's just anger. Yeah. She touches on a lot of uh, ideas in that quote, but um, I think that, yeah, that's got to be a very difficult thing to struggle with. Um, Yeah. I think it's, yeah. And I, I, I think she's, a very good messenger of these things. I mean, her her eloquence, not only in the songwriting, yeah. but just in these interviews, really shines through. And I'm, it, it's it continuously impresses me how po- poised and eloquent she is with these like big complex things and ideas and concepts. Yes, it's very interesting because people have a tendency to ask Laura what they think are very profound questions. And sometimes they are, and sometimes they aren't, but she always treats them with the same uh, level of respect. Like and she honestly. tries her best to answer whatever questions she is presented with, like as honestly as she possibly can. I mean, yeah, yeah. she, she is one of the most interesting uh artist to to read interviews from and, I, and i've read like so fucking many for this show and like she almost always has at least one little interesting tidbit like even if the interviewer gives her nothing she will find a way to say something interesting to this person like they will get something out of her some way right uh and if people are really engaged with the music and want to ask her really interesting questions like she is very happy to respond in a thoughtful way and uh yeah i think 
that's one of the most impressive things about her, really. It, it also makes the interviewer want to other people want to interview her, right? Like absolutely, yeah. She she's giving something to the person that's interviewing her. Yeah, which is what you want. All right, Austin. We got a few more quotes here that are from an all access music interview that Lee Berngart did in August of 2016. And this first quote, she is talking about the band's changing sound. Uh, and I thought this was a really insightful quote. And uh, this is what she has to say. As the sound of the band has definitely changed a lot over the years. This is the seventh Against Me album. That's not counting live albums or EPs. Again, I was 17 when I started the band. I'm 35 now. I hadn't even finished going through puberty when we did our first recordings. I need to feel like the band is constantly changing musically to survive. Maybe that plays into the album title, Shape Shift with me a little bit, right? But I don't ever feel like I'm going through the motions with anything. I cringe at the thought of getting up on stage and doing an imitation of my younger self. Yeah, I would too. Yeah. I don't want to do this shit over and over again. Yeah. And uh, all right. So the next couple quotes are not about this album specifically, but... I thought she made like a lot of really good points and hit on some things that we have talked about in several of the episodes. Uh, and I thought these are probably good, two good quotes to sort of sum up against me in general and kind of, uh, we, we will have a couple quotes next time, but it won't be a, a big section like it is on an old episode. So what she's talking about here is sort of uh, working with different kind of kinds of labels and, and that kind of thing. And so what she says is we've had a lot of great opportunities and we've been lucky to work with a lot of labels that invested in our band financially to give us budgets that gave us time to actually learn how to create in a studio. Our first record we made in a day recorded and mixed. We didn't know what we were doing in there, what knob did what, how to get the sound you hear in your head translated into a recording. If whatever was captured was any good back then, it was just luck. Maybe that's why so many bands' first album are the best thing they've ever done. It's just luck. After that, you learn you've got to work for it. You've got to earn the right to keep stepping up to a microphone and hitting record and have people actually listen to you. You got to keep giving a shit, you know? <laughs> yeah. I like it. There's there's that magic. No, that's why you you mentioned earlier the sophomore slump. It's like the first album, and then it's so hard to go and make a follow-up to it. Right. Yeah, because like I think in a lot of cases, like for a lot of artists, that first album comes easily because it's just it's already coming out of you. Plus, you've been working on it for a long time, right? In right. your head, you've been you've had these songs that you've been carrying around with you. Yeah. And then a lot of times you find out on the second album, like Oh, this person didn't really have that much to say after all. All right, let's go to the final quote. Uh, I think this may be the most Laura thing she has ever said. Uh, she is basically asked what she hopes people take away from her music. And this is what she says. I hope listeners feel an emotional connection to the music, and I hope that they turn it up loudly when driving. I hope that the music is there for listeners when they're low and picks them up. That it's a friend and keeps them company when everyone else is a jerk. And it has their back if they need to stand up for something. I also hope that people enjoy fucking and jogging to the music. That it can make them sweat. That's what music does for me. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, that's, I thought that was just like a, a great quote. Like that's, a, that's perfect, that's Laura. Fucking and jogging. Yes. All right. 
let's move on, Austin. We got a couple more things to do here. As we always do, we do our best and worst song. I think we are probably going to agree on this first one, Austin. But what was your worst song? Oh, without a doubt, Suicide Bomber. Yeah, me too. I I just like I like I really don't have anything good to say about that one. There's like uh, I talked about on the New Wave episode that there's only like a, a few Against Me songs that I just do not like at all. And this is one. And uh, this is absolutely one of them. Yeah. I, I have to agree with you. Even Norse Truth, which the first few times I listened to the album, I thought that's my worst song. By the time I had listened to it like six, seven times, I was like, you know what? At least she's doing something on this song that's like interesting and provocative. This Suicide Bomber song, it just doesn't work for me on any level. Like, I don't like the lyrics. It doesn't sound good. Like, it's not like pleasing to the ears. Yeah, no. Not a fan. I'm right there with you. All right. Let's move on, Austin, to the best song. What did you think? Um, so my favorite was haunting haunted haunts. I really okay. liked it. I had fun with it. I didn't, it didn't catch me the, as much the first go through. Um, I, I was probably more of delicate petite and other things I'll never be, but the more I listened to it, I was like, this is the song for me. Maybe just my current mood, whatever. That's, this is the, no, I think that's a perfectly acceptable thing. That's a good one. I like that. What one about you? Uh, Okay. I had a tough time. The first time I listened to these songs, there was one song that that just jumped out right away. It's like, this is the best song. Uh, and then I listened to everything a bit more, and I started to lean towards another song. What, what oh, are you going to go from the EP, aren't you? <clears throat> okay, I'm just going to say that my pick for best song is it's, First High of the Morning. All right. Like, I'll, I'll allow it. I just think, like, of all the songs here, that's the song that I I just like the most. Okay. Like, that's the song that I want to listen to the most. It's the one I went back to the most. If I got to pick one from the album, I'm going Boyfriend. I really like that one a lot. I went back and forth. Like, you can't pick the B-side of the B-side single, but yes, you, you know what? I, I am going to do that. Yeah, do it. <laughs> I, uh, cause that, that, that to me is unquestionably like the best song here. Yeah. Uh, really, really love that song. Um, I think I talked about it quite a bit, so we'll move on, but, uh, all right, Austin, that is it for shape shift with me. We did it. That is the last against me album we are ever going to talk about. Unless they make another one. <laughs> but uh, so far, they haven't. But let's talk about next time, Austin. It's the finale episode. Uh, it's going to be a big one. Uh, it's probably going to be a very long. Yeah. we got a lot to get into. We are going to talk about what Laura has been up to since 2016. Um. We are going to give our top 10 against me songs. We're each going to have our own list. It is not going to be a joint list. Right. I just want to make that clear. We're also each going to rank all the studio albums. So just the seven studio albums. Okay. No live albums, no solo stuff, no EPs, no early self-release stuff, just Axel to Shape Shift 
the seven studio albums. Now, for the top 10 songs, any song we've ever talked about is eligible to make your list. So you can take stuff that isn't off of the main albums if you would do that for whatever reason. Okay. But uh, but for the album ranking, we're just ranking the seven studio albums. We are also going to talk about a playlist I put together of six against me songs that are not on any streaming service and that just did not come up in the main show. So I'm going to post the playlist on my Twitter uh, and maybe in the, if you catch my Griff discord, I'm sure Austin will post it as well or retweet it or whatever, but we'll go ahead and just list the six songs here. If people want to look for them on their own and just so that Austin has an idea of what we're going to talk about. So we are going to be talking about the song untitled two, which is a very early song that I believe we did reference on a very early episode. Uh, it's basically just a very uh, rough live recording, uh, but it's a song that a lot of their fans uh, really like. We are going to be now against me did several covers. We're not going to talk about all of them because I just think that's it's kind of redundant. There are two standouts to me. Uh, and the first that we're going to talk about is a cover of Wagon Wheel by Old Crow Medicine Show. Uh, we are also going to be talking about the song Nuclear Cowboys in an Age of Drift, which was a non-album track from the Heart Burns EP, uh, which is a really great song. I think we talked about that one at the time. Then we are going to be talking about the song My Nausea, which is a very rare song. Uh, I think it only exists on YouTube. <laughs> then we are going to be talking about 500 Years, which is a B-side for the song Unconditional Love. And the last song we're going to talk about, I went back and forth on whether to include this or not, because it is not technically an Against Me song, but it takes place in our timeline. And I also just think, like, this is going to be the absolute perfect last song for us to talk about. So we're going to be talking about a cover of the song Androgynous by the band Replacements from Laura Jane Grace, Miley Cyrus, and Joan Jett. Oh. <laughs> yes. So uh, those are going to be the six songs that we are talking about. And Austin, before we go, do you have anything that you would like to plug? No, you've been listening this long. You know where to find me. I'm good. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I'm on Twitter at Age of the Fever uh, if you want to look me up. And uh, yeah, we will see you next time for the last episode. Marion and Wanda were the best of friends all through the high school days. Both members of the 4-H club, both active in the FFA. After graduation, Marion was looking for a bright new world. Wanda looked all around this town and all she found was Earl. Well, it wasn't two weeks after she got married that Wanda started getting